Welcome to the Calvary Podcast, Lenten Preaching Edition, a ministry of Calvary Episcopal Church, recorded live in Memphis. The Calvary Podcast is weekly sermons, but also conversations, reflections, and provocations about the mystery of God and what it means to be human in the world in need of repair. I was always told that when you uh, at big occasions, you should find some big words. The near centennial uh, occasion of the Lenten preaching hour is a big occasion, so I stayed up last night to find some big words for this auspicious occasion. So I am hippopotamously happy (laughs) and elephant proud to be here. (laughs) Amen. The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces asunder between the joints and the marrow, the soul and the spirit, and it is a critic of the thought and intents of the heart. Jesus Christ, the master chef said, it is written, it is written, it is written that man cannot live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God shall a man live. Blessed is the man, the psalmist said, that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight, her delight, is in the law of the Lord. And in that law does he meditate, does she meditate, meditate day and night. And as a result, He or she shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of waters. Leaves will not wither, fruit will come in due season, and whatsoever he or she does shall prosper. I believe that the word of God is untainted and unmixed with error in its original autographs. It is divine in its origin, inspired in its totality, regenerative in its power, inexhaustible in its adequacy, comforting and convicting to the soul, personal and social in its application. As has been read before us, I would love for you to repeat that verse, Matthew 5, 5, after me. Amen? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, from my tradition, we would say that with a little bit more vim, vigor, and vitality. And since I'm your guest, and Rector uh, Scott Walters has said, I only have one hour, then uh, you need to say it with a little bit more vim. All right? Blessed are the meek, for they And only they shall inherit the earth. Let's pray together. Gracious God, our Father, in the words of our Anglican brothers of old, what we know not, please teach us. And what we have not, give us. And what we are not, make us. Do it for the sake of the kingdom and the glory of the high king. Even Jesus, our Savior, we pray and praise. Amen. 
Blessed are the meek. There is a cause and effect that Jesus gives to this people, this people who were disillusioned, they were discouraged, they were conquered, and they were under the thumbnail of the Roman Empire. And yet Jesus came and said, even in your condition, there is a state of blessedness that can be yours. This word blessed, makarios, uh, in the Greek means inner happiness despite my external circumstances, which are often unfavorable. It's, imag it's amazing that Jesus said, even in their condition, as well as ours, when things are not always going your way, you can have a state of inner happiness, resources, and joy that are not seen, that you can have calmness that comes from knowing the creator is in control, you can actually have that state no matter where you are. So, so when the Greeks talked about blessedness, they often referred to Mount Olympus. These are where the gods were, and they were unaffected by what was going on on earth. They had a inner happiness that sort of subsided, uh, that sort of was unrelated to what was going on on, on the earth. They also talked about the island of Cyprus. They called Cyprus Makarios. It was a plush vacation spot in the ancient world. And so people would just say, if I could just get to Cyprus, if I could just get there, I can remove myself from the daily grind of life and just relax. That's what Jesus was saying. It is possible for you and I to have blessedness. I like to think of blessedness like the inside of my car. This Memphis weather, this week alone, within a week, I was in my car and it was so hot that I had to turn on my air conditioning. The weather outside did not impact what was going on inside. But yet this morning, I got in my car and turned on every heating device that I had. <laughs> heated seats and stirring wheel and whatever because the weather had changed. But in my car, I had makarios. In my car was blessedness. In my car, I could control what was going on inside despite the weather on the outside. That's what Jesus meant when he says you can have blessedness. You may not be able to control the weather on the outside, but you can control what is going on on the inside. I will help you have this state of blessedness so that the outside pressures of the world will not become the inside stress of the soul. However, it's a cause and effect. How do I get there? He tells us these beatitudes. So blessed, he says, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the beatitude of Salvation, And then he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's the beatitude of suffering. And then he says in our text today, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's the beatitude of trust and submission. So Jesus links these two and says, when I have an attitude of trust and submission, then I can have blessedness, this inner happiness, this 
uh, despite of external circumstances that can go on in my soul, despite what's happening outside, it's an attitude, and that's why we call them the Beatitudes. I love what Pastor Chuck Swindoll says about attitude. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think, say, or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, or a home. But the remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding attitude that we will embrace for that day. We cannot change the past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. And I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. That's sort of what Jesus was saying. And so let me give you two or three definitions of this idea of meekness so I can access this attitude of blessedness, this inner happiness, despite what is happening on the outside. Meekness is an attitude of acceptance of what the Almighty is doing in me, to me, and through me without fighting. Meekness is an attitude of acceptance of what the Almighty is doing in me, to me, and through me without fighting. Let me lift the transcript from my own life. I never wanted to be a preacher pastor, ever. In fact, I told my wife that I would never be a preacher pastor. That was a condition for our marriage. She said, listen, I'll marry anybody between a doctor and a ditch digger, but never a preacher. And I said, you don't have to worry about that. I promise you, I'll never be a preacher. Ha! Four years into our marriage, that all changed. But that being said, I never wanted to be a preacher. So when I went to Houston Baptist University, I wanted to teach the Bible. That's, that's all I wanted to do. And then I wanted to go in business. That's what I wanted to do, study Bible and business. And uh, so I went and registered and all of that. The register came back, and I didn't know it was $3,000 a quarter. They were on the quarter system plus books. Well, I said, there's no way I can afford that. She must have seen the disillusionment in my face, and she said, um, why don't you go across the way there, the median, and talk to Dr. Wolford? Um, he may be able to help you. So I went and talked to Dr. Wolford, and he said, young man, why are you here? I said, well, I want to uh, teach the Bible. He said, you want to go in ministry? I said, well, no, sir, I just want to teach the Bible. He said, well, that's ministry. Uh, do you want to go in ministry? I said, no, sir, I, I want to teach the Bible and go in business. I don't. He said, well, young man, anything you do for Christ, that's ministry. Now, do you want to go in ministry? I said, no, sir, I don't want to go in ministry. <laughs> he said, well, let me repeat. Anything that you do for Christ is ministry. Now, do you want to go in ministry? I said, oh, no, sir, I don't want to go in ministry. You see, we were having a disconnect. When he said ministry, I thought about my tradition in the African-American church where the preacher was the one who sang, great orator, could animate it, demonstrate it, change the voice when it got to a certain point in pitching. I said, no, no, I don't want anything to do with that. That's what I thought he meant by ministry. But he was thinking about something completely different. 
because I did not want anything to do with, quote unquote, the ministry. And so he asked me again. He said, now, anything you do for Christ, that's ministry. Do you want to go in ministry? Well, by this time, I just want to get out. And I'm going to say anything. I say, well, yes, sir, I want to go in ministry. He said, well, good. We had a young man who dropped out of the ministry program uh, last week, and it's a 60 percent scholarship. Do you want to go in ministry? I say, yes, sir, I want to go in ministry. <laughs> But you see what I was doing? I was fighting God every step of the way. Even though I knew by inner unction he was calling me to something else, I wanted to go in business. I did not want to be in the church. I had seen too much up close. Meekness is trust and submission. It's an attitude of acceptance of what God is doing in me, to me, and through me, clue, without fighting. That's something that we can grasp during this Lenten season when we are looking at self-examination. Am I fighting God on something he is calling me to do? I don't even like what he may be doing in me, to me, and through me, but am I fighting him, or am I really trusting and submitting to him. Second thing about meekness. Meekness is trust and submission to the rider who has the reins of my destiny in his hands. It is trusting the rider who has the reins of my destiny in his hands. That's why it's a picture of a horse, uh, because the horse has such strength under control, but they are trusting the reins of the rider that's in his hands. Uh, my uncle was a jockey, and he would often tell me horses and people have a lot in common. That's another sermon that I won't go into. But it, it helps me to understand um, a, um, a horse by the name of Mind That Bird, M-I-N-E, That Bird. 2009, the Kentucky Derby, Mind That Bird, an undersized, crooked-legged um, thoroughbred, 50 to 1 odds. In fact, they made a movie of it, 50 to 1. You may have seen it. He had no shot of winning. Only two people thought he could win. Chip Woolley, his trainer, and Calvin Burrell, his jockey. When Calvin Burrell rode him, he knew there was something about that horse. Well, to make a long story short, Mind That Bird came from last to first to finish the Kentucky Derby 2009 and wanted by more than any horse or the second longest length of any horse in the history of the Kentucky Derby. Now, I think about that story and I say the reason that Mind That Bird won was because he trusted the rider who had the reins of his destiny in his hands. Mind that bird had his own will. Mind that bird was 10 times bigger than Calvin, um, uh, uh, than, than, um, than his jockey. He was 20 times as strong, but yet he allowed that jockey to control him with the reins and he ended up winning. I may be talking to somebody. We have a will of our own. But meekness is trusting the rider. That's God who has the reins of our destiny in his hands. And when we do that, we enter into another state of blessedness.
Meekness is also what Aristotle would call the middle part of anger. You know, Jesus was the meekest man on earth. Moses was the uh, second most meek man on earth. Neither of them were weak, and both of them demonstrated some anger. And so Aristotle says meekness is the middle part of anger. It's not being a pacifist where you never get angry. It's not uh, militarism where you're always getting angry. It is the middle part of anger. Meekness is this idea of trusting God and it's being angry at the right time at the right person for the right reasons. And so Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those that trust and submit to God, who don't fight him. Blessed are those who allow God to take the reins of their lives because he controls their destiny, for they shall inherit the earth. And then the last thing about meekness we learn is meekness is learning to be strong enough to be weak enough to let God handle it. It's being strong enough to be weak enough to let God handle it. There are some things that I can do on my own, particularly when people are mean and dispirited and they hurt my feelings and I want vengeance and I want to uh, take it in my own hands. Well, meekness is that middle part of anger and learning to be strong enough to be weak enough to let God handle it. And I'm talking to somebody who has tried to handle something on their own and it didn't turn out the way you wanted. And maybe you step back a time and say, you know what, I'm going to let the Lord fight this battle for me. And it turned out a whole lot better. That's what Jesus was saying. The Roman government is too big for you to defeat by yourself. You will not defeat them, but you can have an inner happiness within your own souls if you are meek. That is, have an attitude of acceptance of what God is doing in you, to you, and through you without fighting. You can have this blessedness, this state in the soul where it doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. I can have a calmness underneath the skin because I know that the creator is in control of my circumstances. So you can. That's why he says, blessed are the meek. And during this Lenten season, we have hope today because Jesus himself said that I am meek and lowly, and he was. He trusted himself to the rider, God the Father, who had the reins of his destiny in his hands. And he left heaven's great glory for earth's great gloom. The highest of the high became the lowest of the low, and the richest of the rich became the poorest of the poor. He was born down in Bethlehem where heaven sent out his best choir and brightest star to mark the place where he lay. And a baby ages older than his own mother who said, before Abraham was, I already am. I get excited talking about him. I'm just going to preach by myself for a while. You may want to listen in. He was meek. That is, he trusted and submitted himself to God the Father, even to the cross where he died on Calvary for us. I like to say Calvary, that bald-headed hill on the outskirts of Jerusalem. Calvary, the world's richest piece of real estate. 
Calvary where he took the bulldozer of mercy and dug a trench. And now there's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all of their guilt and stain. Calvary is where men born dead could be born alive and men born once can now be born again. Calvary is where the sun refused to shine and the earth and elements called cataclysmic epilepsy reeled and rocked like a drunken man. Calvary is where the centurion said, surely this is the son of God. He saw him die, never saw a man die that way. Jesus died until until the centurion said that this is the son of God. He died for all of our sins. The first person, Adam, who sinned, the last person that will ever be born, died for their sins as well. Died for big sins and small sins, black sins and white sins, known sins and unknown sins, remembered sins and forgotten sins. And when he had died for all of the sins of the world, he cried out, Telelestai, that is, it is finished. That's why during this Lenten season, we have hope because he did what nobody else could do. He trusted himself to the rider who had the reins of his destiny in his hands. And what did he receive? Inheritance. Now, the Bible says, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all to the glory of the Father. He will give us by inheritance when we are meek in our attitude things that we could never get on our own while on earth. Blessed inner happiness belongs to those who are meek, those who have a calmness knowing that the creator is in control of my circumstances, those who have an attitude of acceptance with what God is doing in me or to me and through me without fighting, those who trust and submit to the rider who has the reins of my destiny in his hands, those who are strong enough to be weak enough to let God handle it. And what is my result? Inheritance. Not just heaven on the other side, but on this earth. Am I talking to somebody who needs to be reminded this season, as I have, this has been my meditation during the Lenten season, to be more meek? And if you are, then blessedness will be yours and mine. Amen. Calvary Podcast theme music was composed by Spence Bailey. Special thanks to Robin Banks, Director of Communications at Calvary, and Heidi Rupke, Lenten Preaching Series Coordinator. And thanks to you for listening. If you're curious about Calvary Episcopal Church, we are an eclectic bunch of Christian people who don't all think the same thoughts or dress the same way or vote for the same candidates or even believe all the same things about the mystery of God and what it means to be human. But we do believe that we need each other because of our differences, not in spite of them, and that God calls us into unity, not uniformity. Subscribe to the Calvary Podcast at calvarymemphis.org slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit Calvary in person at the corner of 2nd and Adams in the heart of downtown Memphis, Tennessee.